When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. And now you've got Kajula looking for the activating nurse. He's got him to win it. Nurse shoots and scores! Elects not to shoot. Pressure by Gerard, then threw him aside to the net. Back for one timer score. Connor McDavid ends the game. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. Off to the near side. Marshan up top now for Krug. Shoots deflected. Far circle fire. They score. goal for the Bruins to get back into that game. Tampa Bay, the better team through most of the first period. Braden Point scored a beauty. Kucherov also has a goal. It's 2-1. The Lightning leading the Bruins after the first period. And of course, Tampa Bay also up 2-1 in the series. Later on tonight, Game 5. Sharks and Golden Knights in Vegas. That series tied 2-2. Blue Jays in Tampa Bay. The game is tied 1-1 in the bottom of the fourth. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Hey, weekend coming up. Well, yours has already started, which is cool. My name is Reed Wilkins. Inside Sports on 630 Ched. You can reach me at 780-496-0063. You can text 630-630. Follow me on Twitter at Reed Wilkins, our studio producer tonight, as he usually is. The inexplicably talented Kellen Kennedy. Hello, Kellen. Hey, Reed. Let's turn this Friday into a fry yay. Oh, my God. You, you never cease to amaze me, Kellen. <laughs> uh, quick, uh, just quick update here. Uh, after playing my first round of golf yesterday of the season, Woo-hoo. I have once again postponed my plans to join the PGA Tour. So, so I, I, I will remain as a lowly talk show host for the foreseeable future. I've uh, I've decided the triple-digit score I shot at Riverside not quite good enough to go to Q School. But I'm going to keep grinding away. No U.S. Open for Reed. No U.S. Yeah, yeah I'm not going to attend. I believe, by the way, here we're already, we're already getting into an off-topic topic. I believe, as an aside, as an aside, and it it is called the U.S. Open because anybody can play in the U.S. Open. They have sh- they have spots set aside yeah. for previous winners and guys on the top, whatever I think, 50 on the money list and previous mm-hmm. major champions. But it is an, an open. So, you know, Joe Blow from down the street could try to qualify for the U.S. Open. You have to go to qualifiers. And I believe, though, you have to... I'm pretty sure I haven't looked in a while. I believe your handicap has to be 1.4 or better. So 
you got to be pretty much a scratch golfer to even enter the qualifier. So you have to have kept your handicap through all the proper procedures. So I'm pretty sure the 20 handicap that I have on the free handicap tracker.net that I have on my phone, I'm pretty sure that wouldn't be enough, even if I did get it down to 1.4. But it, it is an open tournament. And, and uh, always a couple of, you know, there's usually a couple of guys a year who come in through the qualifiers, right? So anyway, absolutely. Thanks for you. Never know. Thanks for asking about that, uh, Kellen. I appreciate that. It could be the equivalent of that, uh, you know, relief goalie in Chicago coming in one night and playing uh, ten minutes or so. By the way, if I ever did play on the PGA, I would instantly become the most popular Reed on tour because Patrick Reed not well liked. No, no. You know the story about him at college that he allegedly uh, shaved a couple strokes once uh, may, may have these are all allegations may have may have pilfered uh, some money or items from his teammates lockers and then we talked about this after the masters he has that uh, I, I guess bizarre would we call it that he has that un- I mean from his standpoint it's strained relationship with his parents mm-hmm. but we, remember we talked about that article the interview his dad did after the masters that he wants to he wants to be in Patrick's life. He wants Patrick in his life, but uh, Patrick isn't isn't going isn't isn't going for that. So anyway, uh, what were we talking about? I don't remember. <laughs> we were starting the show, and Kellen and I started talking about the U.S. Open. Oh, thankfully, I made notes. Uh, Canada lost opening game at the World Hockey Championships today in a shootout 5-4 to the United States. Cam Atkinson got the shootout winner for the States. Connor McDavid had an assist. He was not allowed to participate in the shootout because he got a penalty late in overtime. So if you have a pe- if you're in the penalty box when overtime ends, you don't shoot in the shootout. They have a five-round shootout and then it goes to sudden death after that. It went to run one round of sudden death and you can start repeating shooters after the five rounds. So Atkinson actually shot twice for the States and scored both times. The Dallas Stars making it official. Jim Montgomery, who'd been the coach at Denver University, the new coach of the Dallas Stars, he uh, helped Denver win an NCAA title in the 2016-17 season. The Western Hockey League final starts tonight. Everett at Swift Current in about an hour. Also in about an hour in Spruce Grove. Game 5 of the Doyle Cup. The Saints hosting the Wenatchee Wild. Spruce Grove staying alive with a win a couple of nights ago, but they still trail the best of seven, three games to one. And uh, the winner of that series will go on to represent the Pacific region in the Royal Bank Cup. So there you go with that. Uh, another Oiler reportedly going to the KHL. This time it's Johan Ovitu, defenseman for the team, who actually got a little bit of a look at uh, forward a couple times throughout the season. Uh, Eero Pakarinen and Anton Slepeshev uh, previously reported to be going to the KHL as well, so the Oilers uh, losing some guys. Now, Pakarinen, one of those, I mean, he's been on the Oilers for several years. He's always been a depth player. I, I mean, he had three points this season. Does, doesn't get a ton of points. Um, good penalty killer. Hasn't really brought much else. Uh, I mean, to me, he was more of a 13th forward on the team. Slepeshev was always a bit of a head-scratcher for me because you would see bursts of him being able to forecheck, get his shot off, and this is uh, an ongoing theme that we've been talking on the boat on this show for the past, past few months. Here is yet another Edmonton Oiler who was drafted after the first round 
who is going to wind up not making a big impact on the Oilers. And I know whenever I bring this up, I often talk about it as drafting, and people say, well, is it a, is it a drafting uh, miscue or is it a development miscue? Well, you know, I guess my answer to that would be either way. We could pick it apart for each guy. Slepish have 102 games with the Oilers, 10 goals, 23 points. So not great production. He was drafted in 2013, 88th overall, the same year the Oilers took Nurse in the first round. I mean, if, if you want to look at the history of the Oilers over the decade of darkness, it is uh, a failure to find and keep impact players outside of their high draft picks. I mean, obviously the four number ones overall, uh, though Yakupov didn't turn out very well, but, you know, obviously uh, Dreisaitl was taken high. We'll see what happens with Puglia-Yarvi. I mean, even Clefbaum was a first-round pick, 19th overall. They got that pick in a trade in 2011. He's turned out to be a pretty good player. But if of, of all the problems the Oilers have had, I, I, I still believe that that's number one. They haven't drafted and or developed well, and as a result, you're chasing free agents, you're, you're chasing trades to try to fill holes, and it's just a cycle that's kept continuing for the team. So uh, we'll see what they do with that number 10 draft pick coming up in Dallas in June. But there's a little bit of Oilers news today. Johan Avitu reportedly going to the KHL. Anton Slepeshev and Iro Pakarinen already uh, reported to be going there as well after a few years with the Edmonton Oilers. Okay, second period underway in Boston. It is uh, 2-1. Tampa Bay leading the Bruins, as I mentioned earlier. Good first period for Tampa Bay. They were the better team. Braden Point scored a great goal. He was uh, dangerous on other occasions as well, but Boston got a big one late in the period to stay in that one. They are down 2-1 in the series. The CFL draft was last night. Of course, we were live from Commonwealth Stadium for that. Uh, the Eskimos, uh, I guess we were there just for the Eskimos' uh, first pick, which was 10th overall. Defensive back Godfrey Onyeka selected from Wilfrid Laurier University. When we get back, you'll hear from General Manager Brock Sunderland. Inside Sports on 630 Chat. This is J.C. Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. Bergeron scores for Boston, and then Tuka Rask has just denied Steve Stamkos on a breakaway. It is now 2-2, the Bruins and the Lightning, about two and a half minutes into the second period. And just after the Boston goal, uh, Andre Vasilevsky made a great save on a point-blank chance in front. So that one's turned into a good one after Tampa Bay dominated the first 12 to 15 minutes. It is 2-2. It is 6-19. It is Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 630. Chet, hey, we're going to have an Eskimos game on the air, preseason game against Saskatchewan on May 27th. And, of course, the CFL draft was last night. Pleased to be joined by Eskimos general manager, Brock Sunderland. Brock, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing very well. It's great to have you on the show. I know obviously yesterday was a, a really busy day for you with uh, the Canadian Football League draft and uh, I want to ask you about a couple of your selections here. You obviously traded down from 6 to 10. I know you explained yesterday that you felt there were there were 10 guys that you thought were basically first round talent and uh, you got defensive back Godfrey Onyeka out of Wilfrid Laurier. What can you tell us about this young man? Uh, 6'2", 210 pounds, runs a 4'5", 40, so a lot of times you look across the board in the NFL, those are NFL height, weight, speed, numbers, um, and he plays to that. He's aggressive, he's physical, he can cover, he can play man, he can play zone, and he's arguably one of the better tackling 
cornerbacks I've ever evaluated. A lot of guys are willing, which means that if they have to, they will. He's different. He's a headhunter. He seeks contact. He'll fly up and smack you. He's great blitzing off the edge. Um, so he, he plays the type of football that we want here at Edmonton, which is tough and aggressive. That's interesting you bring that up about a defensive back, and I, and I know sometimes with that position – you might get those players who say, "Yeah, I like to, I like to break up passes. I like to run interceptions back, but I'm not going to jump into the box and help out with the run." So clearly, you want guys with that extra edge. No question. You know, if if you, especially in particular, the size of field we play up here, if you're in space and you miss a tackle, or if you're avoiding making a tackle, a five-yard run turns into a 70-yard touchdown run. So it's even that much more important in the CFL. He also went with a defensive back with your next pick, which was 24th overall in the third round, Jordan Beaulieu from Western University. So you, you went to two DBs with your first two picks. Um, first of all, give us a bit of a scouting report here on Jordan Beaulieu. Very similar to Onyeka. I'm going to sound like a broken record here. He just doesn't have the size, but he, he's 5'11", close to 6 feet, 200 pounds, ran 4'5'2", played halfback at Western. Um very much a leader. He pointed out the coverages, was kind of the quarterback of the defense at Western. Um, tough, physical, can play man. We project him free safety. But all the attributes we like about Onyeka, he possesses as well. As he can cover, he'll run up, he'll tackle. He's physical. We project him to be a very good special teams player along with free safety. Um, great leadership. Uh, he's one of those guys from Quebec that decided not to go to the traditional powerhouses in the Quebec Conference of Laval, Montreal, and wanted to go west. And when we asked him about that, he said, I wanted to start a new tradition. I wanted to go and establish a program as opposed to just going in and fitting in. And that really jumped out and was something that we liked. Okay. So with, with your first two selections, you took defensive backs. And obviously where you were picking, there were tons of combinations and, and kind of unknowns who was going to be available. But was that a specific thing you wanted to do, Brock, where you said ideally we get a couple of defensive backs early, or, or how did that approach play out? It's always player first over position. And what I mean by that is you go, you always draft the best available. And I will say is these are two people absolutely we targeted with our first two picks. And the reason we moved back with so much confidence is we felt with the run of offensive linemen that usually happens and with the depth of offensive linemen in this year's draft, we thought there'd be a really good chance that we'd get on Yek at 10 or Bolu at 10 and be able to get the other one in the second. So um, it worked out really well this year. It doesn't always happen that way in the draft. You never know what's going to happen. You don't know what other people are thinking or what value they have in players ahead of you. Uh, but we were fortunate with our first two picks that it fell exactly the way we wanted it to. Eskimos General Manager Brock Sunderland joining us on Inside Sports. Of course, you can go to 630Ched.com for a full recap of the Eskimos draft. Look, Brock, I'm, I'm just going to stick with the defensive back theme here for a second. And I, and I know you drafted you know, running backs and uh, linemen on both sides of the ball and a wide receiver as well. But you know, when you take these guys in the top 25, they're, they're going to get a lot of the hype here coming in. Uh, and, and Arjun Colhoun you know, was drafted a couple of years ago. He's a Canadian defensive back who can play you know, on the corner and I know there was a lot of the thinking traditionally in the Canadian Football League is that you put your Canadian at, at safety. Is it a ratio changer to get guys who can play corner or, or half and who are Canadians? And is the league moving more um, in that direction because of the talent that's being developed? Uh, well, the answer to the first question is, is absolutely ratio changer because we could do that with Calhoun and now we've got depth there uh, with Onyeka and we've got Hoover as well that can play corner and started against Calgary last year on the Labor Day rematch at corner for us. Um, and is it evolving there? 
it depends on what the talent is. I think you don't force the ratio. I think you draft the most talented players available, and then you build your ratio off that, which is what we're doing. Um, again, we're fortunate that the guys that we really targeted fit within the ratio that we have right now, which we play Canadian free safety. We play Canadian corner. And so we're just adding to our depth. Um, and then if a contract expires and a guy wants to move on or if they're beat out, um, some of these other guys on Yetka can play halfback. Uh, Woodson last year played halfback at Hamilton when injuries happened and had a uh, Woodman, excuse me, had a interception. So, you know, the more talent you get and the more options you have ratio-wise, the better you're going to be overall in the CFL, no question. I noticed seven of the eight guys you picked were or are youth sports athletes, so Canadians playing in Canada as opposed to uh, Canadians playing in the NCAA. Look, Brock, you can tell me. I, I, I'm, I'm well known for sometimes reading too much into things, so you can tell me if I am. But does, does that say something about, um, you know, Canadians staying home? Does that say something about the uh, quality of youth sports football? Or did that is that just how it turned out for you guys this year that you wound up with a youth sports guy available in the spot you were taking? Well, I think it's probably just a little bit coincidental as far as those are the players that we like. But I will say that youth sport football is very different, much better than, you know, the first ever CFL draft I was involved in was in 05 in Montreal. And how much more talent there is, uh, the development of the programs, the number of full-time coaches on staff at eSport is polarizing from where it was in 05. So I think that only is going to show on the quality of players coming out, which it is. So I think it's a combination of all the above, but we certainly didn't target and say we're, we're going to key in on eSport players. We took the best available, and it just happened that they were all U-sport athletes, or seven of the eight were. I want to ask you one more question, Brock, because I know I know you mentioned him uh, yesterday as part of the James Franklin trade, and you you seem really excited about this player. Can you just give us the Coles notes here on Mason Woods and maybe what Eskimos fans can see when he's in green and gold? Yeah, he fits the mold of our offense line. He's big. He's six eight, three hundred, and you know, roughly fifteen twenty pounds. Uh, played at the University of Idaho, so he played at a, a Division One A program in the U.S. Played against Auburn. He played against Tennessee. Played against Washington and Washington State. And he played guard and tackle. So you have a, a rare size guy that's hard to find at any level of football, but in particular, a Canadian with that size, that athlete, athleticism and strength, who played against the very best competition at the highest level in the U.S. college level so that was very appealing he's a guy last year that we had hired aboard and uh truth be told it was going to be him or bahar when we took our pick so the fact that we could get him for a player that we knew we weren't going to get back uh, we were pretty thrilled about okay well he'll be fun to watch too as will all these other new guys who were drafted brock thanks a lot for checking in tonight really appreciate having you on the show all the best Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right, so that's Eskimos GM Brock Sunderland. Again, get a full recap of their draft on 630Ched.com. And remember the name Mason Woods. Big guy on the offensive line, can play guard or tackle. And I think if you look at the Eskimos depth chart, the biggest question mark right now would be right tackle. So maybe Mason Woods in the mix there. 2-2 Tampa Bay and Boston in the second period. Hey, Rob Brown's going to drop by after the 630 News. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Ched. Our side now, Bergeron, right circle, Bergeron. Krug returns it, they score! Patrice Bergeron! He smoked it from the bottom of the right circle, 
right, so that was the goal we told you about last half hour. Still 2-2, and this game heating up. They're uh, just showing a highlight pack here on Sportsnet. Brad Marchand with a couple of low-bridge hits on Tampa Bay players. One of them, Ryan Callahan, and it appears the kissing bandit is back. Marchand and Callahan nose-to-nose, visor-to-visor after a recent whistle and it looked like from the camera angle on the replay that we saw Kellen that Marchand did the whole uh, kissing thing mm-hmm. that he tried to plant I don't know if he if he I don't know if lips met skin I don't know if it matters but he did the very least the puckering motion this is what it's come to with uh, Brad Marchand in the NHL that we are starting to analyze whether or not he actually made contact with a kiss in a in a hockey game uh, I believe a few years ago, and, and, and I kind of regretted doing it at the time, but a few years ago on the show, I believe I called Brad Marchand a little puke, which I, there are probably more diplomatic ways to talk about a player. He's a, he's a very skilled player. I mean, he's points per game. He was right up there with McDavid this season. If, if he plays more games, you know, gets over 70 into the high 70s, maybe he's the clear heart trophy winner. But he's, he's, he's tough to take. And I, I know he's one of those guys people say, well, you'd love to have him on your team, but at what point does the, some of the grit and some of the antics become a distraction? He, he is a good hockey player, no doubt about that. I, there was obviously the, uh, the Komarov uh, licking and kiss. Like, this is actually what we're talking about, about a National Hockey League player. The, the kissing and the licking incidents. <laughs> like, it's... Sounds like it's the Sunday night sex show, but no, it's inside sports on a Friday night. Where's Sue Johansson when you need her? I don't know if you know that show, Kelly. That's a reference for the a bit I of a, think the past. It was a bit of a sensation when I was uh, when I was going to the U of A, the old Sunday night sex show. Yeah, I, Sue, with Sue Johansson. I don't think that show is on air anymore, but uh, I do know what you're talking about. Yes. Well, I'm sure she's still helping people with their erotic lives. Anyway. So Brad Marchand, with uh, it looked like the, the, he needs he he needs to start having his his own column on the stat sheet: goals, assists, points, plus minus, shot attempts, uh, kissing attempts. You could have a KA column, and then I guess you'd have to have the successful kisses. So you'd have kissing, you'd have KA kissing attempts, then you'd have uh, KS no SK successful kisses. So you could be like, Marchand had one goal on five shots and two kisses on five attempts. Then I think we'd group, I, I, we'd have to group the licking in with the kissing. <laughs> or, or, or so I'm led to believe. Ooh, it is 2-2 in that game in the second period. It's turned into a pretty good game. Sharks and Golden Knights later. Blue Jays trail the Tampa Bay Rays. 3-1 in the top of the sixth. 7 o'clock, WHL final, game one. Everett at Swift Current, and also at 7 o'clock. Well, I'm just going to read this text from uh, Shell, the Spruce Grove Saints volunteer chairman. 
We have championship hockey going on in Spruce Grove tonight. The caliber of this hockey is simply fantastic. We need help to fill the barn. Our boys are fighting for their playoff lives. They didn't roll over last game, which again was awesomely entertaining. Plus, we have Chris Van Oshaw, the AJHL scoring champ, back in our lineup tonight. Cheap tickets, cheap beer. Come on, Edmonton, get out here and help cheer on a comeback. You will not be disappointed. All right. Well, it's 6.38, so I don't know if your plans are all of a sudden going to change because of that spirit of text, though I do appreciate it. And I do love uh, Junior A hockey, and it would be awesome if the Saints could keep that series going. So uh, they're taking on the Wenatchee Wild at 7 o'clock. I was thinking here, just uh, as a bit of a bit of an Oilers thing here, I mentioned that Johan Ovitu reportedly going to the KHL. Uh, so there's a defenseman gone. The Oilers are going to have to add some sort of a depth defenseman that they could probably get for relatively cheap, like, say, a million and a half dollars in that neighborhood, maybe a little less. Uh, here's a name for you. Brandon Davidson. Good. I'm just, I'm just throwing this out there. I have, I mean, and you can't actually talk to players yet, but his contract is up. I'm just throwing this out there as, as a what if. Could Brandon Davidson possibly be back? for his third turn as an Edmonton Oiler. It's, it's weird with Davidson. Both times he was traded, I, I understood it. I know he was thrilled to come back to the Oilers last season. Like, absolutely thrilled. He, he loves being an Oiler. He loves Edmonton. He is from southern Alberta. So, I mean, it's not super close to Edmonton. It's a bit of a hike, but he, but he is an Alberta guy. I, I don't know. I mean, it's... Is Brandon Davidson the ideal depth signing for the Edmonton Oilers in, in free agency this summer? His last contract, which the Oilers signed him to, by the way, cap hit a $1.425 million. What if what if you get him around that again and he comes back to be uh, kind of a 6-7 defenseman? I don't know. Just saying. Uh, this texture to 630-630 says, I also think that Marchand is a little puke, but I would also trade half of the Oilers away in order to have him play here in Edmonton. Can't stand the guy when he plays against us, but I would love to uh, have him on the Oilers. All right. Uh, This texture says, hi, or this is Bretzky. He says, hi, Reed and Kellen. I was in the pub with a friend, and I was telling him about your chicken bet with Jack Michaels. Uh, I mentioned your name and told him a bit about your golf abilities. He told me that there are some really good golfers by the name of Wilkins. I Googled it, and he was right. There are some really good golfers named Wilkins. Come on, Reed. You can do it. <laughs> that is from Bretsky. Well, I've, <laughs> thanks for the encouragement. I don't think I'm related to any of these players, uh, uh, <laughs> Bretsky, but the, the, I, 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 I'll, I'll, you'll take any inspiration I can get when it comes to my golf game. Uh, Mike from Lacombe says Davidson is way better than Benning. Uh, I wouldn't agree with that. Uh, I think Benning is uh, better offensively. Probably moves a little better as well. But uh, and that's not to. I think I think way better is a pretty big exaggeration, Mike. But hey, fair enough. We can debate the players. It is six forty-two. Rob Brown will check in when we get back. Inside Sports on Chet. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader six thirty, Chet. 
little Dr. Feelgood killer, Terry? It is. From the album, Dr. Feelgood. 2-2, Boston and Tampa Bay. Minute 21 left in the second period. Vegas and San Jose a little bit later on. Our Inside the Game analyst for our Oilers broadcast on 6.30, Chad, former NHLer Rob Brown. Rob, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing good. It's been a while. Yeah, it's good to talk to you again. I, I actually took time off last week, so I know you're on with uh, with Dave Campbell. And, I know, and, you're, and you're still doing all your, uh, your coaching and helping with skill development, aren't you? I am. We're still on the ice full-time right now. And then I've gone out, actually, last week, and I played in an Alzheimer's tournament here in town. So played five games over two days and then spent three days trying to recover from it both the on and off ice activity so no it's uh, <laughs> uh still lots of skating for me right now summer hasn't hit me yet still got another month and a half to go well that's all right i know you love it i, I know you love working with the younger players and seeing them come along which is a perfect segue into a young man i want to ask you about and well a lot of people are talking about him dylan gunther was taken first overall by the oil kings yesterday in the whl bantam draft and uh you've worked with dylan what insight can you give us well, he, he's a really nice young man. I, I've enjoyed getting to know him over the last year. Uh, incredible skill level. Uh, and NHL shot already. I, I don't know if I've seen a Bantam player that can shoot the puck, or not even a Bantam player, midget player that can shoot the puck like he does. It's just absolutely pure. We have a little contest we've done a couple times after the NAX practices where all, that, all the kids go in a shootout, and whoever wins the shootout gets to go against me for five shots. And Gunther won it, and he goes in, and he goes five for five in the shootout. And I'm okay. I'm supposed to win this. I'm the ex-pro. I'm supposed to be teaching you, and it's effortless, absolutely effortless. How he goes in there, and he just finds a spot, bang, off a stick and in the net before the goalie can react. So, uh, good work ethic, good kid, uh, very good skill, smart hockey player. But the thing that separates him from any other kid that I've seen is, is his shot. He has an NHL shot. Uh, at the Bantam age already. Wow, that's incredible. So, I, I don't know how, I, I mean, I know you've got to know him a little bit. I don't know how much of the backstory you have, but you know you know about the, the Sidney Crosby shooting into the, the washing machine or the dryer or whatever it was. Does like did, Do you know if he worked on that? I mean, I know there's obviously usually some natural ability involved or strength involved, but do you know what he did to hone that shot? That I don't know, but I, I, I'm a believer that some guys are just born with it. Now, I understand that you have to work to get better, and you've seen all of the, I mean, with, with Sidney Crosby and hockey, Tiger Woods with golf, but those guys were going to be superstars without that work ethic because they're just born. Hey, they've got this skill level in them, and, and a lot of the, the superstars that are born with the skill are also born with the, uh, the work ethic and, and the thought of wanting to be the best and they will not stop until they are the best. And uh, Gunther, he's got a nice work ethic, and to me, he's just, uh, if you're looking for somebody that can just purely score goals, he's got that ability, and there are very few kids out there. I, the one thing that I've noticed about uh, kids hockey, youth hockey, over the last you know, 10, 15 years since I've retired and worked with them, kids are skilled nowadays, incredibly skilled, more skilled than uh, the generations before them. But there's very few that have the, the head for the game, the ability to see plays, to make plays, to understand the game. And he's one of those kids. He got to play this year with Matt Savoy, who will be the number one pick next year in the Bantam draft. He's that good. Uh, those are players that can see the game. And very few kids nowadays can do it. They all have the skills. But when they get into a game, uh, they're strictly skilled players. This is a kid that can see the game, make plays, 
and make the other players around him better. You know, it's interesting you bring that up, Rob, because work ethic and intellect are two things that tend to not go away for an athlete if you see them as a teen or even younger than that you know that's why a lot of coaches will like that because they tend to know okay if this guy has has an issue or a weakness I know he'll work on it I know he'll have that dedication and to transition into a guy we saw with the Oilers last season it was Mike Camilleri and we know where he was at Mike knows where he's at in his career but when he had a good night I thought we saw that Rob he still knew where to put the put the puck the hockey intelligence was still there even if his maybe raw speed and raw power uh, wasn't what it was you know five ten years ago well there's a number of players that hang on two three four five extra years because they understand the game because they're smart and uh, they're able to adapt whereas other players they're, they're just it's a flash and they're gone because once they they lose their speed or once uh, you know the hands are a little slower than usual well, they don't have that ability to adapt and do something different simply because they're not smart enough. Um, I, I know that when I talk to a lot of teams uh, around the Bantam draft, I talk to teams during the John Reed tournament, the Bantam tournament in, in St. Albert, and any player that, I, that has gone through one of my academies, teams want to know, and they don't, they don't want to know about the skill level of kids. I never get asked about a skill level. Uh, a player about his shooting, his passing, his skating. They want to know two things. They want to know, is he a smart hockey player? Is his, uh, Sorry, three things. Smart hockey player is work ethic. You know, when people are looking, and especially when people aren't looking, and, and his attitude. That's what they want to know about players. Anybody can see if a kid's skilled or not. They want to know if he's going to develop. And players that develop are the ones with the good attitudes, the ones with the good work ethic, and the ones that are smart enough to realize what his strengths are what his weaknesses are, and what he needs to do to get better. Yeah, that's well said, and, and, and that's a great reminder. And, and a lot of the stuff that with player evaluation, I love how you put that. How does he act when uh, no one's looking, right, or when very few people are around? Does he still work? Does he still do the drills the right way? Does he still treat his teammates with respect or his you know, family, teachers, or whatever? So that's, that's an excellent point. Rob Brown joining us on Inside Sports. Okay, so you, I mean, when you got to play, we all know you, you played with Lemieux for a while and, and you played with Yager and a lot of great players. Uh, and now you can't say yourself, Rob, but who was that guy you maybe had as a teammate uh, where maybe you didn't realize how smart or crafty he was on the ice or how hard he worked until you got to be on the same team as him? Um, I, to me, I, I mean, there's lots of them. I mean, in, in Chicago was Chris Chalios. His work, work ethic was incredible, and you didn't realize how good he was until you see him day in, day out, and then you admire, like, oh, my goodness, like in practice, in, in, in the weight room. And another player, to me, one of the most underrated players, and he's starting to get more and more acknowledgement uh, since he's retired, was Ronnie Francis. I don't know if I've played with a smarter hockey player than Ronnie Francis. And I think he, his career was hidden a long time because he was playing in Hartford. And that was not a, a sexy team, a team that people wanted to see on TV. But once he moved to Pittsburgh, you started realizing, oh, wow, is this guy ever good? And he put the Pittsburgh Penguins over the top. So, again, work ethic, incredibly intelligent hockey player, uh, and made everyone else around him better. And probably, uh, probably the best leader that I've ever played with. Uh, he just top-notch he's a guy that uh when you get traded he's the first phone call to you when things are going wrong he calls you what's going on let's talk about it so yeah those are some of the players but i've been blessed there's there's a number of players and any player that gets to the national hockey league level has got to have a pretty good work ethic and has to be a pretty good leader because they start to wean attitudes out 
uh, quickly. There's very few that can get by with bad attitudes, and those are guys with just an overabundance of skill. Yeah, for sure. All right, Rob, before I let you go, uh, I hope I can see you soon or you can drop by the station. The fan mail starting to pile up. Uh, I, I got my mom's been in Phoenix, so she's been sending a lot of stuff up there. Well, here's <laughs> the packages, birthday presents. Stuff yeah. Like that. Well, this 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 one was meowing until a few days ago. I don't know what was in there. Uh, I got I got a Middletown, Connecticut, Stafford, Virginia, uh, Ames, Iowa. I got oh somebody from Pittsburgh sent you something. And how about this? Uh, a fan from Germany has sent Rob Brown something to sign right here to six thirty. Chet, how about that? That is pretty cool. It's pretty neat that the, the people, since they've retired, they found it where you work, and then they just, I mean, Slovakia, I get Czechoslovakia. It's cool. It's its neat uh, seeing the different stuff they send over and then seeing all the different stamps you get to buy to send all the stuff back. Well, some guys will send you self-addressed envelopes, right? But you you always shell out for the uh, postage if you have to, eh? <laughs> well, some, yeah, some do, uh, some do send stamps. It's funny. There's some they actually send. Uh, it's usually coming from the state. They send American dollar bills in there to pay for postage as well. So usually by the end of uh, the, the winter, I have enough $1 bills from the States and my fan mail that I can go down to the States and buy myself a dinner. So it works out pretty good. So do they always put a note, or is it sometimes like just a hockey card, and you're like, well, I guess I got to nope. sign it. <laughs> uh, no, no, almost every time uh, is a note, and they'll talk about themselves. A lot of them will talk about the collections they have. Um, they'll talk about, you know, they'll talk about stuff in your career every once in a while they'll talk about a time they saw you my favorite though is when i used to play in pittsburgh i used to get fan mail and it said dear rob you are my favorite player ever in the nhl could you please have mario sign these two cards for me <laughs> that's incredible so, so did he did, did you get him to do it mario must have he must have had a room full of fan mail for mario <laughs> Uh, yeah, he, he didn't have a normal mailbox like the rest of us had. He had like a big sack in the corner where they put all his stuff in. He had a little more than the rest of us. Somebody probably opened it for him and uh, told him which ones he needed to deal with quickly. And <laughs> you had your one or two envelopes for Mario. Still. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Rob. They had a Brinks truck come in with Mario's fan mail and Mario's paychecks. Everyone else was on their own. <laughs> Oh, that's great. All right, buddy. Well, enjoy the playoff games tonight and, and have a great weekend. Uh, we got to get out golfing soon here. And uh, thanks for coming on the show tonight. Sounds good. Take care, Reed. That is Rob Brown checking in. Always good to talk to him. He and I on overtime open line after every Oilers game once we start the new season in the fall. All right. 2-2, Lightning and Bruins after two. Stars and Golden Knights later. The Penguins and the Capitals, 2-2 in their series. They'll go back at it tomorrow. We'll have Penguins radio analyst Phil Bork coming up after the 7 o'clock news. We'll also be joined in studio by Curtis Stock. We'll uh, talk some hockey. We'll talk some golf. We'll talk some horse racing. He's going to give us his Kentucky Derby pick for tomorrow afternoon. That's all ahead. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.